Revolting is a production of the Cycling Independent, with the support of listeners like you, and this month, the support also of the master bike builders at Seven Cycles. TCI is a community-supported, community-focused site dedicated to the whole of cycling. The Cycling Independent, we say, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. This is Revolting with Stevel and Robot on the Cycling Independent, episode 90, Do You Have to Breathe So Loud? Content warning, some people are easily offended. If you're one of them, this might not be the greatest place for you to hang out. We swear, we make off-color jokes, we bring up topics that might be sensitive. Uh, Some people might be sensitive too, so if you're one of those... Take a hike. Go find something else to do for the next hour and three minutes. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So I just sure. want to tell everyone that steve looks like a hot bag of garbage this morning. Or, you know, I shouldn't say that. He's his handsome self, but he looks as though he feels like a hot bag of garbage. I'm so tired. I'm so fucking tired. Um, digging holes and bending nails and doing the physical labor that I've been doing for the last month, like pretty much five days a week uh, has left me feeling like a hollow mess. And uh, I can't sleep because my hands are all jacked up. And uh, um, I have a funny story. Wait, you want to do a shout out? Oh, I want to shout out our friend Christina. Uh, who's going through a tough time at the moment. Uh, So thinking of her, uh, I want to shout out Dr. Ray, who is good with the music recommendations and the general. He's a good emailer. Um, I I have this problem where my email address is robot at cyclingindependent.com and everyone's Gmail in particular is like, nope, sorry, you're spam. Uh, Just because it says robot. I I assume this is what's happening. So I can't seem to email anyone. Also, Rampant Panda in Finland, who takes the nice photos, uh, look up Rampant Panda, and also thanks, Corey B., for caring. Very good. Yeah. Ditto to all that. Uh, I forget that I have a Steve at Cycling Independent email address <laughs> almost all the time. <laughs> and so, I need to go, I need to go look at that and see if there's anything in there waiting for me. Um, so <clears throat> yesterday I was back on the job site and um, I was feeling pretty tired and I was pre- feeling pretty out of sorts. I did have the day off the day before because the electricians had come in and we're working in such a small space that uh, there wasn't going to be room enough for all of us. And for those who are not following along, um, this building that my friend owns uh, last year, there was a big renovation on the second floor. And the ADA requires that you, as a building owner, invest X amount of dollars into building uh, or doing, um, creating infrastructure to help people who are disabled, which is great. Um, But in this instance, we're building an elevator shaft that goes into a dance studio. 
And that is a little ironic by itself, but we're about to run out of money uh, as far as what they require them to spend. And we are just finishing with the bottom floor. So this is going to be an elevator shaft to nowhere, uh, essentially. And, you know, but that was ADA requirement. And um, the, the owner said, oh, we'll put handrails in and lighted walkways and we'll do all of this stuff that actually could benefit someone. And they said, no, you need to build a half an elevator shaft. So <laughs> it's ridiculous job security. Anyway, so I go into, I go into, I ride into work yesterday and I lock my bike up outside and I carry my bag into this locked conference room. The only people who have access to this conference room, it's a coded key code entry, uh, are other tenants in the building. And there's a couple of theaters in the building and there's a bakery and there's a dance studio and there's a restaurant. Um, and, uh, so, you know, there's a, a small gaggle of people that kind of come through this conference room. Anyway, take my messenger bag off. I take my key leash off my right wrist, loop it around this, this tab on my bag, take my tennis shoes off, put my work boots on, work six hours, come back in. Oh, there's a, there's a, an artist who also has a, big space in this building. Um, uh, I come back and I'm chatting with her. She's like, Oh, I'm trying to find inspiration. And I was like, yeah, I totally get that. And she's uh, Sarah, uh, uh, Sharon Kingston is her name. She's, she's a really great painter, really cool person. Um, so we're shooting the shit and, uh, I look over at my bag and my key leash is looped onto my bag, but the key's gone. And I was like, Oh, what the fuck? It's on a key ring. So it's not like it didn't back off between the front door and the conference room. So I'm just like, maybe in the off chance, I like something weird happened that leash broke or something. That wasn't the case. Looked all over the place. Looked, 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 looked. Couldn't find it. Um, and I was like, well, fuck, I guess, you know, that's on me. I'll go grab another $40 kryptonite lock. Uh, except the $40 kryptonite locks are now $100 kryptonite locks. Yep. And uh, I just took an angle. I had an angle grinder on the job site, so I cut through my lock. That was no big deal. Um, recycled that. And then last night I was watching this video. I sent. A, I had like a video chat with my friend Kate, and I was talking to her as I entered the building. And I put the phone down, and I was talking to her put my bag down. You can see the fucking key on the leash. Somebody went into the conference room and removed the key from the leash that was on my bag. I, I was mm. just like totally bewildered. That has colored the last 24 hours of my life. So, um, purely that like, what's the plan? Right. Somebody going to take my bike. I guess that would be the obvious answer. But not. But not, but not. I mean, I'm just going to leave it there and then they'll like come back and maybe, I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe somebody wandered through who, who wasn't supposed to be there and they were going to take it or somebody else who's just like, I got a collection of keys. I don't I'm, I'm like one oh. of those key collectors. I thought during that story, you were like, so I took the angle grinder and I was like, Oh, my homie's going to get arrested for <laughs> stealing his own bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, nobody even batted an eye. It's, 
really, I've never, I don't think I've cut through a lock with an angle grinder before. And uh, it is incredibly efficient. It's an incredibly way of, efficient way of stealing a bike. Mm. It was probably 30 seconds, maybe less. I, I, I missed the opportunity to make the joke. Ha ha. Cops don't care about stolen bicycles. I forgot to say that part. Well, it's, I mean, it's also like locked at a job site. Like there's a huge pile of lumber and I'm in and out the door all day and the saw horses and I'm making cuts and like, I'm, I'm there. The, the only people who would see me would be uh, people in an architecture firm. That's right. Adjacent to where I'm working and, uh, they've seen me out of there, out, outside there, like every day. So, I don't know. Ar I'm just architects like, it's just, are notorious thieves. Uh, it's, also, it's the weirdest thing. Probably not a great idea to steal the bike of a person carrying a hammer. Mm, yeah, but they could just you know dip in and grab it if it's gonna. If I can't get my, if I can't get maybe the 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 directive was like. He can't unlock it because I have his key. So uh, I'll just come back at night. Like he's not going to be able to take his bike. He's certainly not going to cut through his own lock. Right. And, and you know, I don't know. And <clears throat> I mean, that he's was not going to gnaw his own ankle off. That to was the other thing trap. that the lock, those little pocket locks, the little U locks used to be, I don't know, 45 or 50 bucks. I haven't bought one in a long time, but now. They cost twice that much. Um, so that was a little, I had a little sticker shock. I you worked all day so that I could afford the lock. <laughs> like that was my day's wages. So I there could buy goes. a lock at the end of the night. Um, I don't know if you know this. They're also not made of kryptonite. That's no. just a fact. It took me a long time to figure that out. Yeah. As well. So that was the, that was the weird little adventure yesterday. And now I'm, and feel like my hands are asleep and I'm sleep deprived and I maybe have heartburn. Oh, I decided to do the intermittent fasting too. Oh, yesterday. So that sucks. Um, what, have you ever what done that? Motivated that? Well, uh, there's no short version of anything that I ever say. <laughs> like <laughs> I tried That's it last fact. fall when I was in Colorado <laughs> and uh, it was just too hard because I like, I want to wake up and have a cup of coffee and go ride my bike and, Yep. You know, I was on vacation. I'm not going to fucking fast during vacation. So, um, I have a studio now. Yes. Uh, I randomly happened into the bar where I work on Saturday nights and the owner said, we got an office downstairs in the building next door. And I said, there's a building next door. <laughs> Cause I, <laughs> I never paid any attention to that. So it goes down and it's this badass little space and it's, there's an adjoining door. And I was like, what's over there? And he's like, ah, it's just another empty space like this one. But how much do you pay for this? And he said, it's not much at all. So he gave me the property manager's number, called her, got a lease sorted. And I got a fucking, I got like an actual offsite workspace for the first time in decades. Amazing. Which is pretty exciting. But because it's right next to the bar, that's tricky. There are no <laughs> people there. And as yeah. I was walking out after a day of, you semi productivity. Uh, my friend Nick said, Steve will. And I went and I sat down with him and his girlfriend for a little while. And then as I was getting up, my friend Susie and Jamie walked by and they said, come in and have a beer. So I went in and had a beer. Um, yeah, I already forget. Why did I start talking about this? What did you ask me? 
I forget. <laughs> oh my god! Uh. You know, I I have this vision all of a sudden of the weirdest. Um, like a weird crime where a guy pulls up in a white van and the door slides open. He's like, Hey, Steve, uh, want a beer? And you're like, <laughs> You just want to lumber over. Yep. <laughs> you're new. Okay. Yeah. I got a whole box of kittens and a beer. I would jump in a van for that. Yeah. Uh, no, you asked me, we we're talking about my, my key getting swiped, and then I spent the day not at the job site. Ah, fuck. See, this is the problem. See, normally I would laugh at your neurodegenerative problems, but I've also forgotten what the question was that I asked you. (laughs) And I hope that listeners everywhere are yelling at whatever device they're listening on. What motivated you to blah was the question. Yeah, I will. I will be saying that because I said like every it's a simple answer, but I have to go through this whole fucking thing. And when I go through the whole thing, I forget. It was the intermittent fasting. I said, what motivated you? (laughs) Yeah. So. Oh, my God. Thank you. Uh, When I was sitting with Jamie, she was talking about doing it. And I was like, maybe. Maybe I need to do that. Maybe that would make me feel a little bit more spry or that would like schluff off some dead cells or I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I just, I don't feel very good these days. Everything, like I get out of bed and both my ankles feel sprained. I'm just like, is this what being middle-aged is? Is you're just in pain all the time? That's what my research shows. Fuck, man. It's... (sighs) God, it's like it hurts to breathe. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm turning into a hot mess. I have that too. This morning I was trying to do some uh, this will this is going to come out sounding stupid, but most of the things I say do probably. I was trying to do some push-ups this morning and my side hurt and I was like, "Oh, is that from the ribs that I broke last winter? Like what? It hurts right there." Probably. Uh, yeah. I just feel like nothing fully heals anymore. Yeah. It's a stitch. I think you have a stitch is what they're called. I don't know. I got really, I bought a kettlebell and I got really hot. This whole kettlebell regiment. I was doing push-ups and I was doing V crunches. I was doing all this stuff. Oh. I was like doing that like religiously for a couple of months. And then, I don't know, my hands started hurting because this job. And I'm like, I don't want to fucking... Swing a kettlebell around. I can't even like hold my toothbrush very good right now. <laughs> I mean, I'm laughing at you, but if I I have a hammer and I, it's the same hammer I've had for 20, 25 years. I, it's a great hammer uh, and I feel some affection for it. But every time I use it for more than five minutes, my wrist is broken the next day. Yeah, it's not broken. It just doesn't move. It's like the tendons around there. I think it's from being on the bike so much. Then when I'm doing anything percussive with a hammer with that hand, it's like, nope, now you can't have this for three days. I was watching a video this morning of a clunker, like a clunker event that happened in California and all these people are riding rigid coaster brake mountain bikes. And, I, and I'm just watching people like it's in slow motion. It's really pretty in their hands and their wrists. And I'm just like, oh, I don't I can't do that anymore. 
I was lugging around a nail gun yesterday. I was putting in these uh, brackets uh, and these floor joists. And I was like, my arm was like, I was twisting over the top of these joists and like zapping yeah. these fucking, it's like a, it's like there's a recoil, you know, it's like a big heavy, yeah. it's probably like a five pound gun. And, and then I'm putting in toenails. So I'm like hammering in between the joists and, and it's the low ceiling. So I'm like scrunched down too. So I can't get full, like a full swing in the hammer. And I walked out of there and I just thought I was going to, I thought I was going to die. Honestly, the dude that I'm working with is like, he's like a physical anomaly and he is, um, he's a brilliant carpenter. I mean, I will say that he, it's just, I've never seen anything like this before. So it's really interesting to be working in such close uh, proximity with him and, and learning. And he's more than happy. He's not like a crotchety old pissed off carpenter, like the other, all the others I've ever worked with but he loves explaining stuff. And at one point I had to do a bunch of, I had to do a bunch of cuts that were like, like, uh, fucking six sixteenths or something like that. And he was like, do you know what the, and then I started thinking about it after I was out and I was like, wait a second. He just asked me if I knew how to read a tape measure basically. So then I, <laughs> I went back in and I was like, it's just so we're clear. And he said, yeah, I just, I've never worked with anybody who's, who knows how to use a tape measure before. I was like, oh, okay. I got, the, I got that. I can do you that. You didn't know whether he was saying you don't know how to use a tape measure or, oh, cool. Well, you know how to use a tape he measure. He just wants to, he just wants everything to be, he just wants everything to be clear, which is cool. I, I dig that. Cause it, you know, then you don't have any mistakes, but Six-sixteenths isn't a real thing. It's, uh, that would be, uh... Fuck, That'd I'm be three-eighths. Yeah, I'm not looking at... I, I'm, yeah, I'm not looking at a... No, oh, it's, it's seven-sixteenths. So it's like... Oh. Yeah, it's... It, yeah, whatever. It's, it's, um... It's just... When it's... Because I'm not a number guy, I can look yeah. at it and I can get it. And he's like, well, I just didn't want you to go through and have to count all the 16ths. Or it's like 15 16ths, <laughs> you know, something like that. He's like, do you know what? You yeah. have to count all the 16ths. You can just let, you can go, go back because it's whatever, three quarters of an right. inch or something. Or well, a 16th over three quarters of an inch or uh, under. Yeah. So like even yeah. explaining it, I sound like I don't know what I'm talking about. But if I look at a tape measure, like I got that shit on lock. I just can't, you know, it was just explained. I'm not a verbal learner at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I have matured in my um, use of tools to the point where, you know, there's the expression measure twice, cut once. Mm-hmm. Twice, twice is not nearly enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm probably going to measure twice. I'll mark it on the second one, but then I'm going to I'm going to measure it the other way. And then a third like I, I, I there's no way. Yeah. Well, it's funny too, because you'll, you'll make a measurement and you're just kind of going through the motions. You're on autopilot and you'll make your mark and then you'll throw your square on and you, you draw your line. And then you're like, Oh, I don't remember the last four minutes of my life. I just, I yeah. have been off in, in, you know, thought land and not really paying attention to what I'm doing, which is also problematic once you start using power tools. Cause that can, you know, come back and bite you. Yeah. Uh, anyway, 
I did what go. I, I built up? I built a painting stand for myself on an off day, and I I made all the cuts with a circular saw, and it looks like the biggest pile of hot shit I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I'm like, if I had a table saw, I could have made it sweet. And I I purposely hid it from the guy I'm working with. Like, I don't want him to see it because he'll be embarrassed. <laughs> what a shoddy job I did. Uh, so what? Sorry, I interrupted. Oh, I was just going to say, I have an uncle. Actually, he's not with us anymore. I had an uncle who only had these fingers. And this is... Uh, an audio program so no one can see this but i'm basically doing what is this called shaka is this a shaka yeah yeah he he only had the he was permanently hanging loose he was he only had and it was a table saw he like put his hand straight through and actually they had to sew the thumb back on so the thumb was permanently sort of crooked like that and so he had only the pinky and the thumb and he would smoke with the, the cigarette between the pinky and the stub of his ring finger. That's bananas. I grew yeah. up with dudes like that. Like, I always marveled at, you know, there's just there's just these dudes. Like, my dad, uh, I think I've mentioned this before. He was a school teacher, but during the summer, he'd do construction. Like, he did construction all summer. Yep. Teach yep. all winter or all school year. And these, just these fucking curmudgeons, these total, I mean, honest, salt of the earth, really nice people but just like crippled just broken and missing all kinds of appendages and stuff but when yeah. you see somebody like that like uh, mark pauline from survival research laboratories i saw uh, a lecture he did when i was in college and survival research laboratories were the people that made these big gigantic robots and they would go and poach a parking lot under a freeway somewhere in like south San Fran or uh uh, south of market in San Francisco and then these robots and they'd shoot fire and they'd tear each other apart. They're like robot wars, like the little ones you see on TV, but these things right. were like 15 feet tall. <laughs> he, he, they were, they were wild. Um, but he was doing something with some like cured jet fuel or something. And he was t- tapping this rod out and it blew his hand off. And then they, they sewed a thumb, I think onto or a toe onto his hand like oh, he's yeah. got the most fucked up hand ever. But I look at that and I just think, you know some shit. Like you know some shit that I want to know. And also you know not to do some shit that I also would like to know not to do, I think. <laughs> right? Well, yeah, I'm not clever enough to work with power tools regularly. And I need to be more careful in the instances that I do. I mean, even, um, you know, they say uh, just electric, electrically speaking, they say 110 won't kill you. And I can prove that because many times I've passed normal household current through my body. Uh, I, I think I told you a story about 60 <laughs> podcasts did. ago. <laughs> you, you did. That was a good one. <laughs> I, I was trying to hang this... Um, <laughs> What you call it? Oh, fitness thing, but it has a a, a, a bolt, not a bolt, a, a clamp that goes in the ceiling. It's a ceiling mount thing, and I was trying to find the ceiling joist, and I was like drilling through the ceiling joist, and I just happened to hit a wire. Like I missed the joist and hit a wire, and I got like a whole jolt through my hand, and I was like, "Ow, shit!" But then I was like, "All right, all right, all right, all right, be cool." Be cool. You you're right by the joist, so you just have to go like half an inch to one side. So I go half an inch to the other side, 
and I hit the wire again and the lights go out. <laughs> yeah, so much for so much for that project. Intermittent put, fasting isn't going to fix that. <laughs> put some spackle in the hole and put the drill away. That's what I did. I was like, nobody has seen this. <laughs> um, where are we right now? You want to do a music pick? Yeah, let's do music picks. Okay. Um, I'm picking an old record. Uh, I don't know if you know this one. It's the, the first Sunvolt record, Trace. Uh, so, do not. Only by... Only by uh, peripheral familiarity. It's a it's a perfect record. It's um so uh how to explain? So uh, a million years ago, there was a band called Uncle Tupelo that began the whole alt country thing, which had good outcomes and bad outcomes. Y'alternative. Y'alternative. That's right. Um, when Uncle Tupelo broke up, and I loved Uncle Tupelo. I love them. Love them. Uh, it was this mix of like country and punk rock in a way that I thought was very cool. It's the early nineties. So they whiskey, break up. Whiskey bottle is one of the greatest songs ever written. One of the greatest songs uh, easily in my top five songs ever. Yeah. Um, so uncle Tupelo bro- breaks up and the two guys from main guys from uncle Tupelo form Wilco, which is now a jam band, I guess. And Sunvolt. Uh, so Jay Farrar does Sunvolt. He makes the first uh, Sunvolt record, which is Trace, and it is just fucking amazing. And it's a song. It's a record that I listen to generally when I'm sad <laughs> because it's a lot of sad songs. But there's not a bad track on there. It's it's just amazing. Um, he is also, I think, sort of lost his way. But you know, most of us have. So whatever. I get- I get confused with the bands that happened after Uncle Tuplo and Jay Farrar in the same way that I get confused with the bands that happened after Sebado and, uh, shit, Lou Barlow. Right. Like, they just kind of, and, and maybe, like, maybe it's the abundance of vowels in all of those bands and the, and the, and the people's names, and that's also what confuses me. But they just like there's they went out. The family trees are are numerous in branch. And I, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, fuck that one song. I like that one song or that one. Yeah. record. I like that there's one. There's a record, lot of but good one songs. I can't, out keep, there. Tra- can't keep track of all the stuff. One day you'll get that one song and you'll pull <clears> on the thread and you'll find a bunch of other great songs. That's how it works. Uh a strange story, uh, Lou Barlow's little sister, I think her name is Abby, uh, um, my wife was friends with her in junior high out in western Massachusetts where uh, the hippies all live. God dang. Still yeah. friends? Not friends any longer. I don't think, I mean, uh, my wife, I don't think she remembers most of the people she went to high school with. That's a classic uh, Britney move. People will get in touch with her on social media. Oh, it's you. Don't you remember from junior high? And she's like, nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. I mean, I'm sure you're nice. I just honestly have no recollection of you. Uh, once uh, once I walked out that door, that school, that building door, the school door, I just like that part of my life is erased. And now it's on to the next thing. Yep. Yeah, I can relate to that. Periodic uh, memory wipe. Just all the people gone, all the events. Yeah. Next. Uh, what do you got for us? Um, I got uh, Monster Magnet Test Patterns Volume 1. And this is the first record they did on 1990... No, 1989. Maybe 88. 
Um, and I think I bought it when it came out. It's real lo-fi. It's like their first demos. Maybe hmm. here. Uh, let me take a look. Tab, tab, uh, and tab came out on there. Wait, their first. Uh, God's spine. What's the uh, fuck? Uh, oh, there's a bunch of words that are kind of like the fact that I could remember Lou Barlow's name and Sebado is something of a miracle anyway. Um, spine of God. Okay, the tab came out on Spine of God. So these are two demos. Uh, already had it, but then God Unknown Records uh, from New Jersey had like this little internet or little Instagram contest. And they said, you know, tag two people and say something funny or something like that. And I was like, whatever. So I tagged a couple people. And um, then the guy got a hold of me and he's like, yeah, you won. And so it's like this limited. Uh, 300 copies of this particular record with a gatefold uh, jacket and stuff. It's really cool. So that finally just showed up. I don't remember when I won it. It was long enough ago that I forgot that I won it, and then it showed up uh, this week, and I've been listening to that a lot again. And um, it's definitely a far cry from... Uh, what Monster Magnet eventually became known for, which is pretty like polished stoner rock, but not a far cry. This is absolutely, it's just unpolished stoner rock. <laughs> it's a near cry. Yeah. So uh, it's real good, real interesting stuff to listen to, you know, after having celebrated their catalog for so many years and then to go back to the very beginning. Was, uh when there was just three, three dudes, uh, Dave Windorf, who of course is like the main, main guy. Uh, a guy named John McBain and Tim Cronin. Um, so there you go. Test value, test patterns, volume one by Monster Magnet. It's a pretty good uh, slab, if I do say so. I I like it. So while you were talking, though, I thought, uh, so you and I are both in our early 50s. Uh, and I just flashed forward to being like 85 and sitting in a chair like a in a sunny spot and that's just what my day is but i can i can listen to these podcasts to remember things that happened in my life because we've told like long convoluted stories about it i'm gonna look forward to that Mm. yeah well if i continue to feel like every day is a little bit worse like i am now like a dad right now is a good time for me to tap out i think because I feel like shit. I don't want to feel even more like this 10 years down the road and even more like that. I was actually thinking about doing, uh, investigating cortisone shots in my wrists. Uh, I talked to a doctor at one point and he said, yeah, that's what we do for old people who don't have a lot of time left because it degrades your bones and all this stuff. And I'm like, my quality of life is not that fucking great right now. Anyway, because like my hands my wrists just constantly feel like they're broken. And if I could get a cortisone shot and feel good for a year, like that might not be the worst idea instead of saying like, well, okay, I'll feel like shit for the next 25 years and then I'll get a cortisone shot. (laughs) Right. Assuming I last that long. Uh, Anyway, that's been, that's been what I've been thinking about this week. Also, when you have bad wrists, uh, using a sledgehammer, using a jackhammer, uh, using post hole diggers, uh, rock breakers, and uh, what's that other thing? It's like a mini jackhammer. 
Um, anyway, a mini jackhammer. Yeah. Not rad. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Counter indicated. Uh, okay, well, let's take a uh, quick word from our sponsor, whoever th- that might be. Multiple sponsors, because everyone loves sponsors. us so much. Multiple sponsors. We'll be right back. This month, we're sponsored by our good friends at Seven Cycles, who have been in the vanguard of American custom frame building for more than a quarter century. I worked there for most of a decade, and I learned things I didn't even know I needed to learn. When you work with Seven on a bike, you get real input into the design. They offer more tube set options than any other builder. They offer more ways to customize your bike. The process is deep, but it's also fun. The result is a bike you're going to love riding for a lifetime. We've secured a few places in their busy build queue for revolting listeners, which means you can get a fully custom dream bike from Seven in just three weeks from the time you submit your measurements. This is the fastest route to the very best bike you're going to find. In addition, they're doing this cool thing called the Centennial Build, where the designer, bike builder, welder, and finisher combined will have 100 years of bike building experience so it's sort of underlining the the depth and the experience in every bike so check it out at sevencycles.com slash tci do you love high quality bike lights and bike pumps and tire inflators and baskets and bags and cargo racks and fenders and various other essentials any normal person needs to get through life by bike of course you do probably preaching to the choir here you're likely up to speed on Portland Design Works. This podcast is actually sponsored by them, makers of high-quality fenders, cages, lights, and all the other stuff I just mentioned, plus some. Use code REVOLTING15 for 15% off your first PDW order. My two favorite items that they make are the Cargo Web, which keeps all my stuff intact, safe and sound in my basket, and the 3 Rincho, which is an offset 15mm coated wrench with a tire lever on the end. The attentive among us might remember the infamous Dan Cheever eating peanut butter with his in an old video spot they did several years ago. Portland Design Works, they're the best. Remember, use code REVOLTING15 for 15% off your first PDW order. I'm not the boss of you, you are, but you know what's right. Portland Design Works. Beautiful, simple gear for everyday cycling. And we're back. And we are back. This week, what's this week? Uh, what's this week's episode about? Oh, I'm, it's excellent that you asked. <laughs> this week is about roommates. Good ones, bad ones, the collaborative chaos of cohabitation. I was so looking forward to making you say that and you ducked it. Thankfully. And maybe the joys of living alone. We'll talk about that too. Oh, I love, I love... I love living by myself. <laughs> I lived by myself for about 10 years. Eight. No, that's not right. I lived for my, by myself for about five years before I met my ex. And then she was the first person I ever lived with. And she was, she was, she was the best. I mean, I wouldn't want to live with anybody else. I either want to live in a situation like that, or I want to live by myself, but having like a bunch of housemates and stuff, I got kind of burned when I was 
when I was younger and I did have a bunch of housemates, it wasn't great. I mean, it had it's you know it had its moments. I lived with a ton of people over the years, and I've had some good experiences and some bad experiences. But it was just, I don't know. I'm too like protective of my independence, I guess. Do you think? Because I have this theory. I've lived. I've been with my wife for thirty years. Thir- is that right? Thirty thirty one years. Whatever. Um, and we've lived together most of that. Um, and in part, I think like the success of our marriage is actually the success of our cohabitation. Like none of her habits. I shouldn't say that. Very few of her habits annoy me. Whereas I have these two kids and they are fucking terrible roommates. I, j- I went off on them last night. I was like, you guys need to be better fucking roommates. What are they doing? Not cleaning up after themselves or it, shitting all, in the bathtub or. You know, so the um, summer after I graduated from college, I worked a job that was like 70 to 80 hours a week. And I was just killing myself. And my friend, my buddy, Brian, we lived in this big house. And one of the, my other roommates, my good buddy, Brian, um, who does the positively Jersey, uh, thing on New Jersey TV. He also, he was like, a working for a local newspaper and just killing himself. So we were both just full tilt all summer. And we had these two other roommates that graduated from school and decided they were going to take the summer off and just like sit on the couch and eat KFC and watch TV and smoke. And that was it. And we were so like, you guys, we, it was so aggravating. Um, and that's how it is living with my kids. Cause they've graduated. They didn't get jobs this summer. I don't know how we were browbeating them to get jobs and they just fully didn't. And so they're just banging around here all the time. I'm trying to do work. They're just like fucking making messes. Uh, my youngest has this great habit where he watches things on his phone and TV at the same time. So there's like two vocal tracks Simultaneous. I just last night I was like, you guys just have to find a way to contribute something to what's going on here every day. Doesn't have to be big, but just like do some fucking thing and and me not have to clean up after you. So that was the well, dad dad had a little tantrum. The um, if they're not doing it by now, you're probably you're probably trying to put the whole herd of horses back in the barn and they're, they're fucking they're in the next county. Yeah, I'm not hoping for change. I think somehow I just have to, like, get these things off my chest occasionally. Nobody (laughs) enjoys it, including me. Yeah. Well, that's an important... I was talking with somebody about that recently. That's an important piece of of cohabitating is that um, instead of... Because you're like, ah, man, I don't want to be... I don't want to be the nitpicky person. And I'm like, I'll do... You know, and then all of a sudden... Because you've let all of these tiny little things pile up, you just fucking unleash. And then you're basically like, no, everything you do is wrong. Everything you do annoys me. I always thought, I don't know, maybe people looked at me as being a terrible roommate, but I was always super considerate. I know this. It's not like rose-colored glasses or hindsight or any of it. I would clean up after myself. I would live super small. I would le- I would keep my shit in my room. I would clean the house once a week. 
And then I was living almost with, without exception, I was living with people who just didn't get that. Like they never had to, they never had to contribute in houses that they grew up in. So then here I am, like I came from a home where I had to contribute. I had to shovel snow. I had to cut wood. I had to vacuum. I had to dust. You know, we all did it. We were all occupying the space. So we all put the work in. I know I grumbled a ton. Like I didn't like it, but I learned how to do it. And then when I lived with other people, I'm like, oh, okay. So I guess this one woman, she swept the whole kitchen and hallway and stuff, swept a pile of dirt in this one big pile and then just bounced. I'm like, (laughs) oh man, you almost got to the finish line. Yeah. You almost did. You almost did the bare minimum. Good, good for you. That was an excellent effort. I, oh. This is one of the things. So we have this shoe rack by the front door. People come in, they take their shoes off, and there's a rack, right? It's like a couple layers, couple tiers where yeah. you put your shoes. But the kids don't do that. They come in, they take their shoes, and they put the shoes in front of the rack. So in front of the thing where you walk in the door, there's this little minefield of shoes. And I'm like, guys, you are literally six inches from doing this right all the time all the time just you don't even have to like reach down you could just like kind of like shush them forward with your foot (laughs) but you don't what it's almost like spiteful that you're just well not in that instance i think it's if there's a fire or a tsunami or an earthquake they're going to be the first ones to have their shoes on and out the door i mean that's just a safety measure that's a win-win for me because they're safe and i'm not it's over and that's fine. <laughs> then I don't have to worry about the shoes anymore. It's a win-win. So you just leave them, you can let them, uh, you can let them leave their shoes in front of the shoe rack. Well, here's how it is in my house. Also, I don't have any shoes on the shoe rack. I keep all my shoes here in this closet, actually, that I'm sitting in, uh, because there's, there's limited room down there and those guys can't manage their shoes. So they're going to put all their fucking shoes by the door. Oh, that's fine. Dad won't even have a single slot. That's fine. No, it's all, you know, it's all that stuff. I, what broke the camel's back last night, poor camel. I went to cook everyone dinner. I had like a crazy hectic day in and out of the house, running around. I had to take my, elderly mom to the doctor and I had to go do this job and I had to do that and I had meeting. So finally I'm ready to make dinner and there's shit from last night's dinner. Now it's the kid's job every night to clean up after dinner. I go to make dinner and there's two fucking big things from last night's dinner that never got cleaned. And I was like, this is not okay. This is not okay. And this is what they do. Like we, they have responsibilities. I'm not like the, the parent who's like, ah, just whatever. Uh, live your best life. You know, they have responsibilities, but they, they slide on them all the time. So like I yell at them, they'll clean a hundred percent. The next night they'll clean 98%. A week from now it's 50, 50, you know, and you're just like, what? <sighs> What's going on guys. And you're Ooh. right. You're right. The horse is out of the barn. There's somebody, they're going to be somebody else's problem real shortly. Uh, and then they'll get into all kinds of fist fights and then they'll have a podcast somewhere down the road and they'll talk about like, Oh, I, I grew up and I was pretty good at cleaning up. I think <laughs> if I remember yeah. correctly, yeah. uh, I'm, so I'm trying to figure 
<clears throat> like looking at the looking at the next questions, I'm trying to kind of relate to or to reflect on like some of the experiences that I've had. And because I'm really fuzzy, like this is going to be heavy lifting for me mentally today. Um, I don't know who my, I wouldn't, I don't know who my worst roommate was. Um, uh, I did live in a, I squatted in an abandoned bar for a year and there's a huge rat that lived there. Like I would hear it. And then finally I just kept squatting and I had a studio there. This was 1990, probably 1995, I'm going to say 1995 or 1996. And, uh, and then this guy that I went to school with, he was poaching some studio space there as well. And he fell asleep on the futon one afternoon and woke up and the rat was sitting on his chest. So <clears throat> I never saw that. I never saw it. I heard it. It's so like, wait, is this best roommate or worst roommate? I just I want think, to be clear. I think the rat was the kind of the sketchiest roommate because yep. I definitely shared a space with, you know, sharing a space with vermin. Yep. Um, uh, I lived with uh, Christian Cooper, the skateboard graphic artist, uh, and he, he smoked and I, t I put three of those cigarette loads in one of a cigarette one time one of the cigarettes and he lit it and it, it exploded like in a cartoon, yep. you know, and it shot like to hot tobacco in his eye and stuff. <laughs> 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 that was pretty rich. Uh, but he was, a, he was considerate, you know, um, lived in a, he lived in a house full of, there's like five women that I lived in this house with and there was no room for me. So I just slept in this little crawl space under the stairs. I was like the gimp in that house. Yep. Yeah. But, um, I would say I would say half the half the women there uh, had no earthly idea uh, how to how to maintain a house. You know, like whatever. I'm living there for cheap and I'm sleeping under the stairs. Like beggars can't be choosers. But um, Jesus, man, like just do do just contribute a tiny bit. You know. I never had any of the like real psychopaths. I, I used to date this woman who she lived with this other uh, person in San Francisco and she, I, she like knocked a glass on the floor and broke it. It was a bunch of my, my girlfriend at the time uh, broke this glass or something and uh, swept it up and put it in the garbage with an apology. Um, was very apologetic about it. Uh, next day she came home, all of the broken glass was on her pillow like oh i've heard stories you know weird single white female kind of psycho psycho uh flatmate stories but i've never had i've had aggravations and annoyances but i've never had anything that was like what the fuck I had a roommate one time that we called stink fucker and <laughs> of course <laughs> and he would stay up all night chain smoking and then he would sleep all day and he never showered. And when he first moved in, we were like, this was actually, this was in a college dorm. So we were in the room with him. Uh, there was three of us in one room. And at first, you know, you're like, well, I mean, that's that dude. Um, 
and you're out we're out most of the day like it's not that big a deal i guess uh but eventually everything smelled so bad that we would like wake him up and like command him to shower and he would it was there was something really uh mental health wise i think not going well for him yeah i would i would i would think so oh that's but he was also he had also a bunch of sort of very reactionary conservative and repugnant viewpoints that he would love to uh expound about and again like if that's your thing that's fine shut the fuck up i don't care we disagree great but the the combination of those things we were like all right that's it you got to get the fuck out um, I wonder what so he's that, up to now like what's stink fucker up to now Hedge it's a good manager. question he's probably uh he probably holds elective office somewhere uh i was thinking like while you're talking about that i went back to you know like dorm okay my roommate in my dorm he was a kook he was like kind of misogynistic and was like i thought there were i thought there like there were pretty girls in california and stuff like that i'm like what he's from (laughs) st louis like where are you what are you doing dude and then he moved yeah. to San Clemente and I didn't have to deal with him anymore. But he had like what he had a Bronco uh, at home that he called the boss and he had the boss across the windshield and his <laughs> girlfriend, it, her name was Jody Jodes. I got to call Jodes. He do a lot of <laughs> shit like that. I'm like, what? Okay. So <clears throat> that was short lived. Um, then I lived in this little house on 45th street and telegraph in Oakland. Um, with this woman, Rachel, and this other woman who had the lease on the house. Uh, Rachel and I were friends from school, and then we moved into this place. And or I guess I lived there first, and then Rachel moved in there afterwards. But the woman who lived there became completely unhinged and was convinced that we were conspiring against her. And I know what you white devils are up to, and... Like she was a, and she was a model. Like I knew her for a couple of years before that because she was a model at, at the school I went to for figure drawing classes. And like, so we were like acquainted through that, but man, she like, she flipped in such a way that, um, I've sort of felt like I was in danger. Uh, Mm. she was totally irrational, totally unreasonable. Um, but that was so long ago that I don't even really. Oh, here's kind of a funny thing. Uh, are you familiar with the artist named Zoltron? Yes. Yeah, he does posters, the rock posters, and does really cool graphic design stuff. Yeah. So he did a bunch of design work for Kona bikes years and years ago. And then he was doing a bunch of s- design work and illustration stuff for Swobo. Uh, the second version. So this is early uh, 2006, 2007 or thereabout 2008. I, I don't know. And um, he and I began talking and he did some jobs for me and he's a really friendly character. His name's Ruben. Uh, his like actual birth name's Ruben. And we had all kinds of, he's a really funny, very amiable character. And so we knew each other for a few years. And then at some point he said, he was talking about how it's easier for him to promote Zoltron than it is for him to promote himself as an artist. 
I don't want to be Ruben. I want to be Zoltron. I can, I can, I can pimp Zoltron out. That's easy for me because I'm not right. personally attached to it. If that makes sense. And he said, you know, my dad's an artist and my mom's an artist. And I grew up and I was like, Whoa, hold on a second. You is your dad, Joseph Raphael. And he's like, yeah. And I was all, Oh my God. I lived with your sister in 1991 or 1992. So this woman that I lived with, with this crazy lady, that is Zoltron's sister. Wow. And I didn't make that connection for 25 years or something. He's like, oh yeah, man, I was at a party at your house. I was like, I was at that party. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's just so, it's so wild. Um, So anyway, side note. Uh, I I think the mistake I made in most of my college and early post-college living arrangements was that any time we were looking for a place to live, what I was really looking for was a practice space for whatever band I was in. And so you would end up getting a place with a sweet basement and the rest is sort of like, yeah, there's bedrooms and stuff. Yeah. And it didn't lead to all the best choices. And then, yeah, it was just madness because then like uh, we had one house called the barn because it looked like a barn. And so we practiced in the basement and then we had there was like I think there were five of us lived there and like three of us were in one band and two of us were in another. But they were in a much better band, mostly because they practiced all the time. So then you're like trying to live your life, but there's always band practice happening under your feet. Mm hmm. So that made for tough times. And I was probably not the best roommate in that I was usually work like I worked really hard. And so I was usually pretty grumpy and not in the mood for chaos. Also, I was sober at that point, which was no fun for a lot of people. Um, And so I was always trying to escape. But I recall one time at that house and I hope uh, my friend, my buddy Mark is listening. Uh, Mark. uh, AKA the dark beaver. Um, they, I think I've told this story before to you personally, if not on this show, but one of my roommate, my roommate, Dave would get this, um, Hickory farm sampler from his dad for Christmas every year. Do you know, are you familiar with these? <laughs> oh, so yeah. it's this big box. It's got this giant summer sausage in it. Yeah, and then the pe- it's got the, these- the summer sausage and the pepper Jack cheese were always the first to go. Yeah. Yeah, but this one, like, he really splurged on this one. It was like, it was probably somewhere between a foot and 18 inches long, the summer sausage, and thick, and uh, all these little cheese pucks around it. And so Dave put this thing in the kitchen thinking, like, I'm not going to just eat all this stuff, like, by myself up in my room. So he puts it in the kitchen, but then nobody really eats it because actually the kitchen is gross and nobody eats in there normally. So I don't know how long it was in the kitchen before one day and I wasn't here at the time, but Mark and Dave and and at least one other person decided they were going to play chalky, which is cheese hockey. So they used the summer sausage as the (laughs) stick and they had all the pucks out in the driveway and they're playing cheese hockey, chalky. Uh, and then they're like, but you know what could be fun is cheese baseball. So they start pitching the cheeses 100%. And, and hitting them. And they're just like splattering off the house. Yeah. Um, and then that 
whole thing, as silly as it was, culminates in, and I don't know where this even came from, but somebody had a bunch of saltpeter and they spread it on the summer sausage and saltpeter is what goes in smoke bombs. So they coat the summer sausage in it and light it on fire. And like the whole part of our neighborhood <laughs> is just engulfed in sa- burning sausage smoke. <laughs> That all makes perfect sense to me. I mean, I would I, probably, I would, I would eat the summer sausage for sure. But if it's just sitting there, and then like, well, fuck it, let's go, yeah. let's go, let's invent a sport. In some ways, I feel like what happened was the logical conclusion of the of the Hickory Farm sampler being purchased in the first place. Like, mm-hmm. well, you could eat it, or and the only <laughs> other option is what happened. <laughs> I would like to live, I'm thinking about this now and I'm thinking about like how much fun I have with some of my friends Yeah, and I could see maybe, you know, if I, if I got a, if I found myself in a situation to get a housemate again, ever, I feel like that'd be a real step back. Also, I feel like there would be like a degree of an era of failure about that. Like I've fallen so far now I have to live with somebody again. I don't you know, I don't know. Maybe underst- that's my own. I understand that. Issues. But I do think it is. That's an artificial. Idea, but I understand what you mean. That's what you do when you're a kid. When you're a grown up, you live by yourself. Right. I don't know. Um, but some of the hijinks that I get into with my friends, it would be like, yeah, of course, it, we'd, be, we'd play cheese baseball. Yeah. But then again, like the level of hijinks that I get into now are kind of of a different grade than they are a little more refined, I'm going to say. And so I don't know that, you know, would it be sustainable if I lived with like some of the knuckleheads I know? Would would it just be we would be fucking pinning it all the time or, or are we a little bit more grown up and. You know, I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what that would be like. My experience and uh, right. I haven't lived with anyone but my wife for a very long time. But my experience, like when I was drinking, I was a binge drinker. Uh, and I found that the hijinks were also very bingy, like you would just be going along living your normal life most of the time. But then things would just get out of hand for three or four days before <laughs> everyone sort of tamped it back down again. Yeah. Maybe it would be I, like that. I don't know. It's been a long time. When I was living in that big house, uh, my roommates got into this little prank battle. And so I was not involved, but as a spectator, and really I enjoyed it an awful lot. But what it what happened was someone got like this little souvenir picnic cup it was one of those things where it's got a light sensor on the bottom so when it's sitting on the table it doesn't make any sound but when you pick it up it plays take me out to the ball game (laughs) and in the bottom it's got some little like uh, replica baseball field or whatever so we've got this cup i don't even know where it came from and so one of my roommates sean put it in someone else's room as a ha ha like every time you turn the lights on you know this thing is but he didn't hide it very well so then brian i think it was brian brian and dave got involved somehow they they took it and they put it in the ceiling above his light fixture (laughs) 
Like they took the light fixture down, put the cup in the ceiling and then put it back. So he stopped being able to use his overhead light. So he was just using a lamp at that point. And they were like, well, that's no good. So then they, um, they actually took the cup apart so that it was just the sound making mechanism. And they taped that like on the inside of the lampshade. <laughs> but then Sean figured that out. And then they were like, well, fuck it. We're just going to tape it to a leaf right outside his bedroom window. So when the sun comes up every morning, he's going to hear this. Dee, 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 dee. Oh, man, that is so funny. That what all would played be, out over like two or three weeks. It was pretty, pretty what great. Would be, what would be rad is if they had done a, the leaf in the lampshade inside of the light fixture, like just put like gotten a whole like a gross of those cups and taking <laughs> them apart. And then he's like, I fucking got it. And then he, he, he finds one and then he turns the light on <laughs> and then he keeps going but the the uh putting it on the leaf is a stroke of genius, yeah 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 they were like, really it'll it'll come on when the sun comes up in the morning <laughs> but it wasn't it never got bad enough that he just like t- he figured the thing out and he, he'd throw it away and then you, the other guys would dig it out of the trash or something yeah he made this mistake of like retaliating incompletely so he would move oh. it back to their room, but in a, one of their rooms, but in a way that was too obvious. <laughs> uh, I heard about a prank. My friend Sean uh, is a tattoo. He's a tattoo artist in the Bay Area. And there was a tattoo shop. I think it was in. Uh, I think it was in San Jose and or these maybe it was like one was in San Jose and one was in. Oakland or something. I can't remember. <clears throat> but these two shops were like in this prank war. And um, one time they brought in a, a pot, uh, somebody brought in a box of donuts and they were like, oh, here's some donuts. And thank you for, you know, you tattooed my sister and it was a great experience for her. And so these were from her. And so the, over the course of the day, they ate the donuts. But then the guys from the other shop, they had a identical box of donuts and they took pictures of all of the do- like Polaroids of all the donuts and like like the long john was like placed just over someone's genitals right like a, the donut holes were like lining someone's butt crack or whatever and then yep. sent those polaroids over the next day yeah uh and in retaliation those guys broke into the 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 tattoo shop and got a motion sensor from like a liquor store, you know, that dings every time you walk in the door. Oh, yeah. And they put it up in this air, like way up in this air vent above this one guy's desk. So yeah. every time he'd move, there'd be this like distant, like little bing. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, and the guy fucking t- like completely took the tattoo shop apart and couldn't figure it out. And then finally it was like, oh, right. It's actually in like the infrastructure of this building. Yeah. Um, but the, the the back and forth that those guys were having was just, oh, chef's kiss. Like, I love, it's harmless. Nobody gets hurt, but it could potentially drive a person mad, you know? Well, I, I, some of those same friends that I lived with, they, pre, prior to moving in with us, they had this apartment uh, on a cul-de-sac, and they were on the third floor of a three-story building, and the living room window looked out down the street so you could see when someone was coming so if they were home 
If two of them were home and another roommate was coming, they would turn all the lights off and hide. (laughs) And they called it the scare game, right? (laughs) So they played the scare game for a week or two. And my, my friend Ben was the worst at the scare game. He was, they got him like pretty much every, all the time. So then at some point they're sitting there in the living room and they hear the front door like fly open and Ben is like, guys, guys, I know you're fucking in there. <laughs> I know you're in there. You're not fucking getting me this time. And they're just watching TV. <coughs> they just sit there. And then they hear like all through the house, doors slamming open. Ben jumping through doors. Fuck you. Like just <laughs> losing it. And it was definitely, it definitely reached this level of PTSD before he walked into the living room. And he was like, okay, okay. Okay. And they're just Poor watching, ben. I don't know, they were watching Hogan's Heroes or something. His nervous system was ravaged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, hey, you know what? We're uh, we're in an hour. I'm really glad that you included a, a Would You Rather too, because I realized as soon as we started recording that I forgot my book that has all my, my list of Would You Rathers that I labored over a few weeks ago. Uh, so thanks for that. It's uh, a good one. Pretty good one. It's okay. It's okay. Would you rather be the first person on Mars or the last person on Earth? Yeah. Do you have a spacesuit and like a like a colony and stuff that you're living in on Mars, or you just get plopped down there and then explode or implode or freeze no, to death? No, no, no. Um, so you? Uh, the basic scenario is we've decided that Mars, you know, is going to be where we go next, and so there's some infrastructure for you. It's pretty minimal, but you can live there until someone else shows up. But you're the first one there. Um, yeah, I think people are going to show up at some point and just like being the last person on earth, this is with the idea that you will be leaving the planet to join the rest of humanity. Maybe unless you, you're like, you know what, Mm. without all, without all those roommates, this place is pretty sweet. Yeah. I'd be the last person on earth. Oh yeah. I got, I got no interest in living on Mars. I like it here. All my stuff's here. Do you think, uh, so there's what, 8 billion of us? Do you think like everyone else evacuates the planet and they're like, we've all got to go. We've all got to go. And you're like, you know what? I'm pretty into my stuff and I've got a lease through next year. And they're just like, all right, man, I guess you can stay. Um, yeah, I mean, I, <clears throat> I, I don't see that there's like huge and, and, uh, there's not limitless benefits to either, uh, of those options. Right. Um, in fact, they're, they're both pretty problematic in a number of ways, but I think being the last person here, like if I don't go, then I just live the rest of my life. Uh, you know, farm. I'll, uh, probably starve to death cause I'm a shitty farmer. <laughs> uh, huh. Uh, yeah, I think it'd be, I think it'd be pretty neat to, to be, you know what I would, I think what would really trip, what I'd really trip on would be like, if I was here and then I'd be like, well, I basically am never going to see Colorado again. I'll never see India. I'll definitely never see Australia. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I don't I feel like if I was the last person on earth, first of all, I would get into some Mad Max shit, right? Like, 
okay, you got to figure out transportation. There's, there's working automobiles and, and gas still. Um, right. So you could theoretically drive to Colorado. You got nothing better to do, but then I kind of like the idea of like, Hey, maybe I'll teach myself to fly. Mm, that's a gamble. I'm not oh, that sure. adventurous. But what else, what do you got to lose? You're the last one on earth. And, and by the way, you could just climb up into a 747 and be like, how does this thing even work? Yeah. Oh, I'd crash it for sure. I'd be 100%. like, I'd be taxing and then I would just drive off the side of the runway and then, then I'd be like stuck in a bog. It'd be, I think it'd be fun. I mean, you could definitely, there would be some, some Mad Max shit, but there's also like, I'm very, uh, I think pragmatic, like I'm very practical and I don't think like I would, I would have my freak outs and I would go like, you know, do, do hijinks in places that I couldn't do hijinks before or see vantage points, get into buildings that I had never been in before. But I think there'd be, I mean, I've said this before during uh, the beginning of COVID, like riding my bike around in traffic, I've never felt safe. I realized how, how threatened I constantly feel riding in traffic once I didn't feel threatened anymore. And the idea of riding around a city and there's no, no possible way anybody's going to run over you. You don't share the road with anybody and there's no distracted drivers. There's no noise. Yeah. I mean, think about how much noise traffic, just traffic creates like pure, just total fucking silence in a city would be pretty nice. Mind, mind blowing to me. I but would, if- I, there'd be, it'd be, ske- there'd be some sketchy stuff, but I think I would really enjoy that. I think both ideas are sketchy. What about the idea that, um, in the history books of the future, they'd be like, and Stevel Knievel set foot on Mars for humanity mm. and pioneered the first community there. Knievel town. Mm. Nah. Nah. Not interested. I'm going to go to Mars. I'm going to go to Mars. I do like uh, the idea of being able to fuck around with earth. Uh, cause no one else is here. And actually, uh, it would be fun. It, it could re- be really fun to watch the animals come back. Assuming there are still animals at that point. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you snap your fingers and be like, boom, there's a colony on Mars. Everybody's going. Everybody on Earth can fit up there. I mi- I would miss rivers. I like creeks a lot. I like trees. I like wind. Like breezes, not, you know, 300 mile an hour winds. I like being outside. There's too many things that I enjoy about being on this planet, I think, that I would miss. I wouldn't enjoy about being on Mars. I don't know. I've never been. I don't know what Mars is like. Maybe Look it's at that great. big blue marble out there. Remember when we lived down there? Now it's just old man Knievel bagging <laughs> around, driving RC trucks in the streets. Yeah, it'd be. I'd, I mean, it's fuck, man. You'd I'd have to figure out solar power because eventually the power grid would go down. And yep. How am I going to charge the batteries for my remote control trucks? I got there's, there's there'd be a pretty steep learning curve. You'd be busy. Yeah, I'd be busy. And, and, you know, back in the old pioneering days, uh, people worked themselves hard and then died early. So I probably would like become a farmer and then, and then I'd build a little house. No, I wouldn't even have to build a house. I'd just swipe somebody else's and I'd live there. And then I would, I would be dead in seven years. You know, that's fine. 
Could be just playing with your um, remote control horse and buggy. Oh, man. Go live on an Amish community. They seem to have it all figured out. Yeah. I'll just use that infrastructure. Uh, hey. Thanks hey. for listening to Revolting. We absolutely could not do it without you, but it's so, so, so much more fun to get paid <clears throat> for all of this very hard work. Go to cyclingindependent.com and subscribe or throw a few bucks in the tip jar. Maybe for one for every chuckle or tear we brought to your eye. Uh, on behalf of Cycling Independent and the Revolting Podcast, I'm Steve. And I'm Robot. Back to back to back.